really excited about what God's doing in BYG. Uh, children eight years old and younger will be dismissed for Children's Church. Eight years old and younger. Amen, brother. <laughs> Roll on. May the force be with you, Bubba. Maybe we should, yeah, really. Bubba don't do nothing. Amanda? <laughs> Bubba just herds the cats. <laughs> Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank, thank all of our uh, adults that are willing to, to take our children out uh, for a time where they can have a message that is age appropriate to them. Uh, that's very important, and of course the children enjoy that a whole lot than an old boring message by Brother Bill. However, you are getting ready to get fed, amen? And uh, we've been talking a lot about that, you know, you can't really uh, grow drinking milk all the time. You know, we got to have some meat, right? Well, today you're going to get a filet mignon, medium rare, amen? Uh, here it comes. But you know, that, that song Redeemed that BYG did is so absolutely appropriate to your message this morning uh, because uh, I'm talking about slavery today. And of course, that song is about breaking free of the chains and uh, breaking free of the things that hinder you as a Christian and as a believer and, and being redeemed and living the life of a redeemed woman, of a redeemed man, and doing a supernatural work in the name of God for the glory of God. But I am going to talk about slavery, and if you think about it, the notion of slavery is an appalling concept in our modern world. The idea that one human being can have the power to force another human being to do whatever they want to do is something that don't sit well with our modern minds. Now, the majority of us, I pray, would reject the whole idea of owning a slave. But more especially, I bet you, you would reject the idea of being a slave. But did you know that today, slavery is alive and well? In fact, there are slaves right here at Bethel Baptist Church. I'll go so far as to say that there are slaves right here in this very room right now. Would it surprise you to learn that every one of us are slaves? The question is, which master do you serve? In today's verses, Paul continues to discuss the difference between somebody who is dead in sin or alive in Christ. And he tells us what that looks like. He wants to show us how to live in Christ. And to do that, he begins sharing a series of differences, a series of contrasts that point out that every one of us are slaves. Not only are you a slave now, but you will continue to be a slave all of your life. However, here's the good news. You have a choice 
about which master you go to serve. So today, I want you to leave this building knowing which master you're serving. And I want you to have the opportunity to change masters if you find that you're serving the wrong one. If you would, turn with me in your Bibles to Romans chapter 6. That's on page 1003 in the Bibles in front of you there. But in Romans chapter 6, and beginning in verse 15, Paul writes, and remember that Paul is writing to people just like me and you. He's writing to believers, okay? He's writing to a church, and here's what he says. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? Certainly not. Do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey, you are that one's slaves who you obey? Whether of sin leading to death, or of obedience leading to righteousness. But God be thanked that though you were, say were. Be thank, God be thanked that though you were slaves of sin, yet you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine to which you are now delivered. And having been set free from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. I speak in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh, for just as you presented your members as slaves of uncleanness, and of lawlessness leading to more and more lawlessness. So now you present your members as slaves to righteousness for holiness. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. What fruit did you have then in the things which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now having been set free from sin and having been become slaves of God, you have your fruit to holiness and in the end, everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Friends, I want you to see these comparisons. See these contrasts because they're contrasts between a person who is a slave to sin and a person who is a slave to God. The first contrast that I want you to see are the choices between the slave of sin and the slave of God. Verse 15 said, What then shall we sin because we are not under the law but under grace? Certainly not. Do you not know that to whom you present yourselves a slave to obey, you are that one slave whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness? You have a choice. Paul tells us that we're all slaves. We're all at the beck and call of our master. But the whole point of these verses is you have a choice. You have a choice who you're going to yield your life to. You have a choice who you're going to serve. You're going to have a choice who you're in bondage to or for. And there are really only two. Only two choices. You can walk in rebellion as a slave to sin. That is, you can just take the grace of God for granted and just assume that God is going to accept you and just live like you want to live. You can do that. You have that choice. But listen carefully. That's called a life of rebellion. Those who live like this, they think that they're free. 
But Paul makes it clear that they're slaves. This rebellious life is any life that's lived outside of the will of God. It's a life yielded to the master of sin. That's one of your choices. Now the other choice is you can walk in righteousness as a slave to God. You see, you have the choice. You can choose to walk in the will of God and live your life pleasing to God. You can choose to do that. Instead of yielding your members to sin, you can present your body to the Lord for His use and for His glory. See, very literally, literally friends, the choice is yours. You can serve whomever you please. I want you to see that word obey. You see it there in verse 16? Do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey, you are that one's slaves whom you obey? That word obey literally means to answer a knock at the door. The choices and decisions that you make every day about how you're going to live come knocking every day. And when you open that door, you choose who your master is going to be. Will you be a slave to sin or a slave to Jesus? Listen carefully. The choice is yours. The choice is yours. Now, not only does Paul speak of the choices that we make in life, but he also starts talking about the changes, the changes that we make as a result of our relationship with Jesus. Look at these changes beginning in verse 17. But God be thanked that though you were, you said were, were slaves of sin, yet you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine to which you were delivered. And having been set free from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. Now what Paul does here, catch it, what he does is he speaks first about your past failures. We've all got them. He said, God be thanked that though you were a slave to sin, he refers to that time before you became a Christian, before back when you were a slave to sin. And he reminds us that we were literally in bondage to sin. We were in bondage before we came to know Jesus Christ. Friend, do you remember your life before you came to Christ? I remember mine. For me... It was a terrible time. It was a time when I was literally enslaved to worldly desires. It was a time when I was enslaved to addictive impulses. It was a terrible time for me when I was addicted, enslaved to selfish passions it was a time when my life was ruled by Satan it was a time when I had no control over my life it was a time when I was being driven by other people it's a lot of failure before I met Christ 
But praise God, Paul also speaks of our precious faith. At the end of verse 17, he said, Yet you obeyed, you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine to which you were delivered, and having been set free, praise God, from the sin, you became a slave to righteousness. Now Paul says, I want you to remember the day you trusted Christ. When we obeyed, when we answered God's knock at our heart's door, everything changed for us. For at the very instant of salvation, we are changed forever by the power of God. Do you see that word form in verse 17? Yet you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine to which you were delivered. That word form there refers to a mold. A mold in which molten gold is poured and it becomes taking the shape of something that's pre-designed. A pre-designed shape. So too, when we trust Jesus, when we come to Christ like He calls us to, when we answer God's knock at the door, we are reshaped by the power of God. When we truly believe God changes us, please don't come under the misconception that you must change first, then trust. It don't work that way. You trust first, then God changes you. 2 Corinthians 5.17, the Bible says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Praise God, we change masters. I'm no longer a slave to sin. We're set free from that old life of bondage and death. We're blessed with a new life of liberty and victory. And when, when did all this happen? At the very instant that Jesus was trusted by faith to be the Lord of our life and our Savior from sin. Can I tell you, friends, that Jesus made all the difference to me. And he can make all the difference to you. All the difference in the world. So far, Paul's compared the choices that we must make and the changes that are associated with living for those two masters. The master of sin, or our master God. But we also must face the challenges. Look there in verse 19. I speak in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh, for just as you presented your members as slaves to uncleanness and lawlessness, leading to more and more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves of righteousness for holiness challenges you may not know this but in paul's day there were over 50 million slaves in the roman empire slavery was a very understood idea and so what paul does here is he challenges the roman believers to remember how they lived before they knew the lord he challenges them to remember the deeds of the old life. 
He wants them to recall how they yielded or placed their members at sin's disposal. Says, well, do you remember the kind of life you lived without God? Do you remember the kind of life you lived out of the influence of Jesus, under the influence of sin? Do you recall how you used to serve sin with reckless abandon? Well, if you do, I also want you to remember the duties of the loosed life. See, the reason Paul wants them to remember the past is so they know how to act in the future. The reason he wants you to recall what went on in your past is so that you know what to do in the present. For if they used to serve sin with all they had, and that's what sinners do, they serve sin with all they had. If they used to do that, the Bible says now they serve God with all they have. Do you? Do you? You see, sinners, they don't normally get ashamed by their sin. Sinners don't get embarrassed by their sin. They do what they please. They do what they want to do. They live the way they want to live. And in other words, they're not going to give nobody no apology for who they are. They'll give no apology for what they are. But the same should be true for those of us in Christ Jesus. Man, don't be ashamed of the changes that Jesus has made in you. Don't ever be embarrassed about living under our master Jesus. I mean, think about it. In our reality, our commitment to Jesus should be far deeper than it ever was to sin. Our commitment to Christ should be far greater than any commitment you had when you were living in sin. And so Paul has compared the choices. He's compared these changes and compared these challenges in the Christian life. But now we need to look at what each of those lifestyles produce. So let's take a look at the compensations, the payoff. Verse 20, for when you were slaves of sin, you were free. In regard to righteousness, what fruit did you have then in the things of which you are now ashamed? For in the end of those things is death. But now, having been set free from sin and having become slaves to God, you have your fruit to holiness and the end everlasting life. For the wages, the payoff, the compensation of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Let's take a look at these differences in the payoff. The payoff of a life of sin is threefold. The payoff of the life of sin, first of all, produces a wicked life. There in verse 20, when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. He tells us that the lost sinner has no association with anything right with any righteousness of God. In fact, Isaiah says that the very best that a sinner could ever produce is uh, equivalent to a lump or a pile of filthy rags. 
That's about all the righteousness a sinner can produce. The slave of sin lives a life with no righteousness. Therefore, it's a wicked life. But the payoff of the life of sin is also a wasted life. Paul's question is this. What did that life of sin you were living produce? What good was all that evil living doing for you? The answer is plain. Shame. And ultimately death. Now, your wasted life may produce children. Children are good, right? But often, the children of those who live wickedly are caught up in the same traps, the same vices, and the same addictions as their parents were. Friends, it's bad enough if you want to live in sin, but when you teach your children to live like hell, you're truly a wicked person living a wicked life. A wasted life. But the payoff of this life of sin is also a wretched life. The payoff for this life of sin, the Bible says clearly, is death. Now we're not talking about just physical death. We're also talking about spiritual death, eternal death. And notice there in the Bible that the Bible says that the person who lives in and becomes a slave to sin receives wages. They get compensated for the way they live. Can I tell you, though, that there is nothing worse than living a wicked life, dying a wicked death without Jesus, and then spending a wicked eternity in hell. But, that's the compensation they earned. That's fair compensation for the life they lived. Some think, that, some think that it sounds very, very unfair for God to let a person that he claims to love spend eternity in hell. But God says they're just receiving the wages they earned. They're just receiving what they earned in the life they lived. Let's stop and, and think about this for a minute. Let this sink in. Hell is not a place where people are sent by God. Did you hear that? Hell is not a place where people are sent by God. Hell is a place where sinners have worked really hard to get there. Hell is a place where sinners will receive everything they've earned. They will receive their wages. I heard about one salvation tract. It had this question on the front. It said, what do you have to do to go to hell? And then you open the tract up and it was blank. 
Now, the idea there is, is that sinners don't have to do anything to go to hell. And I know what they're saying. They're saying that a sinner that makes no decision for Christ is hell bound. But I want to submit to you something this morning. That sinners got to work really, really hard to get to hell. They got to work really, really hard in order to have eternal separation from God. They have to go through incredible obstacles that God has placed in their way in order to go to hell. Think about this. That sinner's got to work hard to get past the Bible. That sinner's got to work hard to get past the church. That sinner's got to work hard to get past the blood of Jesus, to get past the Holy Spirit, to get past the revelation of God in nature. He's got to work hard to get past the prayers of God's people. He's got to work hard to get past the will of God that desires no one to be lost. And man, the list could go on and on and on. God doesn't want you or anybody else to go to hell. But if you don't come through the means that he's provided to avoid it, you will. Jesus says, I am the truth, the way, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. Being a slave to sin pays off. It pays off with a wicked life, a wasted life, and ultimately a wretched life. That ends in death. What a waste to live your life outside of a relationship with God. Finally, I want you to see the payoff of the other choice. The payoff of the life of salvation. See, the life of salvation is a life with great purpose. Look there in verse 22. But now, having been set free from sin, you've become slaves of God. And having your fruit to holiness, and in the end, everlasting life. See, life lived by the power of God produces fruit for the glory of God. It's just that simple. Before Christ, your life was completely wasted. But now, in Jesus, your life can be very productive. Now, many think that living the Christian life is so incredibly difficult. But do you know they're wrong? It's not that difficult. What those people fail to understand is this, that the true Christian life is not lived out. It's lived through. It's not about me doing my best for Jesus. I can never do enough good for Jesus. What it is, is about me simply yielding to him and allowing him to live his life through me. I'm just a vessel. A cleansed, redeemed, saved, born-again, blood-bought, heaven-bound vessel. And you can do that. And if you can do that, then God will produce great fruit in your life. The life of salvation is a life filled with great purpose. 
But the life of salvation is also a life filled with great promise. For the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. While slaves of sin are promised death, those who trust God and trust Christ and, and become a slave to God receive his gift of everlasting life. It's just that simple. I want you to notice one huge difference before we close, and that is this. Wages are something you've got to work for. The wages of sin is death. Wages are something you've got to work for, but a gift, a gift is something you simply receive, and once you receive it, guess who it belongs to? You! The difference between wages and a gift Friend, there is no comparison between what I had when I when I what I had when I was lost and what I now have because I'm saved. So who is your master? Sin? If so, the wages of your service to that master are death and hell. But it doesn't have to stay that way. You can change masters today. Is your master Jesus? If he is, you have much, much reason to rejoice. Because in him you found life and liberty. In him you found peace and purpose. In him you found everything you need this life and the next. And it all takes place. Ready for this? It all takes place in the last five words of verse 23. It all takes place in Christ Jesus our Lord. So are you a slave? Yep, you sure are. Who's your master? Father God, I praise you and thank you for wanting to be our master. Father, I ask you in the name of Jesus to have each person here this morning to actively choose who their master's going to be. It's either one or the other. We're either a slave to sin or we're a slave to righteousness. A slave to the devil or a slave to God. Father, I thank you for helping me make that critical choice so many years ago.